Well, glory to God. We're going to be over in the book of Joshua to start here this morning. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. There was a lame duck, lame duck president who met with his successor in the Oval Office. And near the end of the orientation, he presented the incoming leader with three numbered envelopes. And there were specific instructions to open each one in order as a major crisis affected his presidency. And so after the new president completed his honeymoon period with the media and the public, the nation experienced an incredible economic downturn. And so he opened the first envelope. And the first envelope read this way, blame me. And so he did that and that worked pretty well. And uh, he just blamed the former administration and everything seemed to go okay for, for a while. But then after a while, he had another upheaval and it brought about a, a, a critical domestic crisis. And so he opened letter number two. And letter number two said, blame my party. And so he proceeded to blame the uh, opposing party with uh, just everything that he could. And it seemed to work pretty well. And he got out of it pretty good. And then he came upon a, a, a terrible foreign policy mishap that really brought a lot of problems in. And so he opened a third envelope. And the third envelope read this way. Prepare three envelopes. Wouldn't it be nice to have such specific instructions to know exactly what to do every time that we have a problem that comes up? Glory to God, we have specific instructions in the Word of God. We've been looking about becoming, becoming fruitful for God. We've looked at the passage of Scripture to talk about how when we are part of the vine that we become fruitful for Him. That apart from the vine, we can do what? Nothing. Nothing. But we are to abide with Him. We're to be part of the vine. He is the true vine, which means there are false vines. We're not part of the false vine. We're going to be part of the true vine. So we have the ability to discern what is the true vine and what is not the true vine. We looked in the, in the Scriptures before looking at some of the things that the, the Word of God had to say about being a part of the, of the true vine that God says He is the... Jesus is the vine. Who is the vine dresser? God the Father is the vine dresser and we are... We are all branches. There are no better branches. We are all branches. The vine dresser is the vine dresser. There's only one vine dresser. So we're not supposed to go around vine dressing everybody else. And there's no other vine. Jesus is the vine. The Father is the vine dresser. And we are the branches. But the branches are supposed to produce fruit. And we talked about how a vine that is attached produces fruit. But many people try and put false fruit up there. False fruit is works. False fruit is what we do when we know this is what I should do. This is the behavior that I should have, but I'm not able to generate it from on the inside. So therefore, I'll put a picture of the fruit up or I'll take a, a wooden apple and I'll put that on there. But it's, I mean, it looks right, but it's fake. It doesn't have the same uh, appealing nature that the fruit does. We need to have the fruit growing out on our vine. And that's what we need to do. The Word of God says that those branches that do not produce fruit are cared for, nurtured. What's it say about it? Those branches that do not produce fruit are? Taken away. away. Don't be taken away. Stay part. Become fruitful. Sometimes we've thought wrong things about being fruitful. That if we're fruitful, we're obviously operating the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the devil comes to us and says, you're not operating any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, therefore you're not being fruitful. And you're going to be cut off. Or sometimes we think, in order to be fruitful, I must be getting lots of people saved. Well, I haven't gotten a whole lot of folks saved. And I mean, I've tried. I've talked with people about Jesus, but nothing seems to be happening. And the devil sometimes can come in and say, you're not being fruitful. Therefore, you're going to be cut off. But fruit is not the same thing. As, and we're going to get into the difference between fruit and, product, and production. Or reproduction, actually. And that's something we're, we're called to do. But it's different from being fruitful. But we're called to be fruitful. And all we need to do to be fruitful is to be attached to the vine. In order for us to get people saved, what else has to happen? They have to agree, don't they? (laughs) Don't they have to agree to be saved? But being fruitful has nothing to do with anyone else but you. We looked last week about becoming vessels of honor. Vessels of gold and silver. And not vessels of clay and wood. But becoming vessels of honor. That's something that we, we need to be doing. But over in the... In the New Testament, we'll look at the Scripture in a little bit, we saw the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, we saw that certain seed that went out, 
uh, grew and produced fruit and became fruitful, but there were three types of ground that it was not fruitful in and one type of ground that it was fruitful on. We want to become that ground that, is, that becomes fruitful. Last week we talked about this one. We said bring on the rain. That it is rain. We had the former and the latter rain that would come for the harvest. We need to get into the rain. That rain comes on down from God and helps water us. But how is it that we water or we get watered? How is it that we can become watered so that we begin to produce fruit? The scripture we looked at last week said that the farmer waits for the former, or the latter, excuse me, the former and the latter rains, and then he knows the harvest will come and the fruit will come. We need to get into the rain. How is it that I can get watered so that we can produce the fruit? You all know in your vegetable gardens, in your uh, other, other places where you're growing fruit, it doesn't get produced if there's no water, is it? does it? We need water. I mean, fruit is just loaded with water. It has to pull that water from someplace. We need to have water. How is it that we can get water? There are three ways to get water. We're going to look at this in the Scriptures. These are not new principles for you, but it's sometimes good to be reminded of these things. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may, be, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Here is the first way that we do. This book of the law shall not depart from your... From your what? The first way that we water, we get into that water, is by what we say. What we say has an effect upon us being watered. We need to say the right things. We've spent time before going over things about that. We're not really here to talk about that particular aspect of it. Just to show you that that aspect of it, what you say with your mouth, waters the seed. Now, how many of y'all are, are familiar, and you should be by now, this has been made uh, pretty well public and people know about it. How many of y'all know what a smart bomb is? Y'all know what a smart bomb is. Now, in World War II, did we drop any smart bombs? No, we dropped dumb bombs. You know what a dumb bomb is? It doesn't know where it's going. You just open the payload and drop it out there and hope it hits something. And, and during World War II... When they would go on a bombing campaign, when the Germans would come over and bomb Britain, or we would go over and bomb them, I mean, they just drop bombs all over. And civilians, citizens, people who are not uh, in the war itself, we're not fighting, we're not taking up arms, thousands of them would die per bombing. Build, buildings would be destroyed. You would destroy hospitals. You would destroy schools. You would destroy libraries as well as factories and other things. Because like, you're just dropping the bombs and they go wherever they go. But then we got into smart bomb technology. And with these smart bombs, the, the first things we saw were they had a little computer chip and they told it where it wanted to go and that thing found it. It, it got right onto that, that place and it hit it. Even in, uh, even in some of the uh, warships we had, uh, some of the battleships, I heard somebody describe this to me, that some of the battleships could take one of those bombs and shoot it with such accuracy that it was like taking a Volkswagen a little Volkswagen Beetle, and shooting it 25 miles and hitting a football field. That's pretty good. But now we got the Tomahawk missiles and we can fire them from boats, we can fire them from submarines, and we can just tell, I want you to go here, and we're no longer hitting a football field, we're hitting an exact location. Then they came up with laser-guided bombs, and you could get somebody on the field, and they would shine the laser where they wanted to go, and the bomb would find the laser. And it'll hit that, hit that thing. And we got so used to smart bombs and bombs just hitting the exact target that they wanted that we became intolerant of any civilian deaths on the enemy side. How many know that's going on in this country? I mean, if three people died, if a school building got hit, if anything like that, I mean, we're up in arms. Of course, the media, all of that there, they say all sorts of stuff about it. They're all up in arms. I mean, that's crazy because a lot of our enemies hide in schools. They hide in churches. They hide in places where there are kids. They hide behind them because they say they won't hit us as long as we're back behind here. But we got so used to it that we forgot back over there in World War II, thousands of people would die. They were not trying to just... They, I mean, they try and hit a factory or something like that, but whatever else got demolished, whatever else got burned, oh well. That's what it was. But just think of what you know about smart bombs. And I want you to take it into this way. That we can specifically water certain seeds. That God is into smart water. 
water that only waters certain seeds. If you go out in your garden right now and you were to water all the time long and you watered your little tiny tomato plants, your little tiny pepper plants, your little tiny beans and your lettuce and your radishes and your carrots and whatever else you have growing out there and you water, does that water only water the tomatoes? What else gets watered? Don't the weeds get watered? Don't weeds come up along with the... If you water your lawn, is it just the grass that gets watered? What else gets watered? The weeds. So as the grass flourishes, what also flourishes? The weeds also flourish. But it's not that way with God. I've heard people sometimes take some of the teaching from Jesus in the parable and, and, and say, you know, when you get watered, wrong seeds can, get, can grow along with the good seeds. That's false. God has specific water. And the water that God has will not water bad seed. It won't do it. So we got to, if we're going to study this part here today, smart water. Water that is so smart, it knows exactly what to grow. How many of y'all want to get into smart water? You can put that water all over everything and all the weeds die. They can't, they, they, they starve and just the tomato plants grow. And just the pepper plants grow. And you never have to get into your garden and water again because as long as you water with the smart water, no weed will absorb the water. Oh, glory to God. This is the, this is the stuff we want to get into. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. If you want to water properly, use smart water technology in your life. Then the thing you have to do is water it with the things that come out of your mouth. Now, let me show you how smart technology works. The Word of God says, by His stripes, I am healed, right? Isn't that in the Word of God? Is it in the Word of God in one place? Two places. Three places. Is it not in the Word of God many, many places? Do we not find it all the way through? Do we not find that Jesus and I go about to do the will of the Father? And are not people healed under His ministry? Was it a few people that were healed? How many times did the Word of God say that all, all, all the sick that came in were healed? All the demon possessed, the demons were cast out. All. How many times does He use all? Not half, not some, but all. Is it not telling us in the Word of God that the ministry of Jesus is healing. That the purpose of the Word of God is for healing. So we can learn that in all kinds of places in the Word of God. So I can go out and with my mouth, I can agree with the Scripture that says, By His stripes I am healed. I receive healing power. When hands were laid on me, on me, healing power came into my body. And the devil may come to me, he may say, But do you feel any better? Doesn't matter how I feel. This is what the Word of God says. The Word of God says... Then that's what we do. We, we confess what the Word of God says. What am I watering? What am I watering? Healing. I'm, I'm, I'm watering seeds of healing. Because I keep going around. No, I am healed. I am healed. My body begins to tell me something different. What do I say to my body? Get in line. I am healed. I am healed. The Word of God said this. The woman with the issue of blood, she came up and she said, I think maybe if I just touch the hem of his garment, is there a good possibility that I might get healed? <laughs> what did she say? I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. There was no doubt in her, was there? I know I shall be made whole. They know it. How many times did people come up to Jesus? Jesus, if you just do this, she will be healed. He will be healed. I will be healed. There was no doubt in it. They knew. They're, they're watering the right seed. But if you go out and instead of that, you say, well, I hope I'm healed. Well, I don't know. I don't feel any better. What, what am I doing? Doubting. And what seeds am I watering? Seeds of sickness and disease. Right? Am I not doing that? But if I stay on the other side and I water the right stuff and I go around saying, no, I am healed. I don't care how my body feels. I am healed. I am healed. We got that great book back there, How to Keep Your Healing. If you never read that book, nice little short book you can read in about 15 minutes. Pick it up. Get it on out there. Read that for yourself. Uh, Jim's out here today. Maybe we can help you find it if you need that. But don't, don't lose out on that. Get out there because the devil knows how to pull, pull stuff away. Because what he wants to do is he wants to give you his water which waters the weeds. 
If you go around and say, well, I don't know if I got healed or not. I don't know. I know somebody else, they forgot prayed for and they died. What are we watering? With that kind of water, am I watering faith? Am I watering seeds that say, I will be healed? If I have doubts that come in about finances, does the Word of God say that God will help me financially? Does the Word of God promise me a good job? Nobody believes that one. All right, let's go on. (laughs) Yeah. It it promises these things. But if we go around and we say, well, I don't know if I'll ever get hired. I don't know if I'll ever get a raise. I don't know. I might lose my job. I have a job, but I might lose. If I'm going around saying that, what am I watering? Can I water faith seed with that kind of saying? No. I'm watering the wrong kind of seed. If I go around and say, well, the Word of God says I'm full of joy, but I sure am down. I sure am depressed. Oh, woe is me. You know, get that hee-haw song out there. How many remember hee-haw? Yeah. <laughs> Gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> oh, the verses they had to that thing were funny. <laughs> but you see, people go around and they sing this stuff in their head. They say this stuff in their head. We're watering the wrong kind of seed. It will not water the stuff that produces fruit. It will water the wrong stuff. It is specific water. You can get specific water for faith or specific water for doubt. What are you going to say? This book of the law shall be in your mouth most of the time. This book of the law shall be with you half of the day. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So if I go around and I say something like, well, I don't know if I'm healed. What what did I just do? Did the Word of God just depart from my mouth? If I go around saying, well, I'm so down. Oh, life is so hard. What am I doing? Is the Word of God coming out of my mouth? Did I depart from the Word of God? Did, did, Did that verse of Scripture give me any leeway? Oh, but you know how hard it is to go around and say that kind of stuff? Yes, that's why it's supposed to be fruit. It's supposed to grow out of you. It's supposed to be something you just expect. This is what's going to happen. That's not going to happen that way. This is what's going to go on. You're like the woman with the issue of blood. I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. I know it. I know it. She's going around. I know it. If I just touch the... I heard about Jesus. I know. If I just touch... I don't have, he, didn't have to, he doesn't have to know about it. If I just... She's going around saying this. Saying it over and over and over. Because the Word of God tells us that. She kept saying to herself, If I just touch the hem of His garment, I know I shall be made whole. She watered the right seed, didn't she? And then Jesus said, when He, when he turned around the crowd and said, Oh, healing power went out from me. Who touched me? Who touched me? And she said, Oh, that was me. And He said, My faith has healed you, didn't He? Oh, he didn't say that? She wasn't healed on the faith of Jesus? Really? What faith was she healed on? How did she get it? She watered it, didn't she? She watered it. She, and she had that fruit of faith that produced there. So the first thing that we need to do is, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Let me give you a few other scriptures here. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 2. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are snared by the words of your mouth. What does that mean? How how many of you are glad you don't need a PhD to understand this verse? You, who's that speaking to? Me, are snared. Is that good? By what? The words of your mouth. You are snared by the words of your mouth. So don't be snared. Proverbs 15.4 A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Have that tree of life. Get that. Speak those words. You, why, why is my life not having that kind of zoe life in the inside of it? How come? Get the tree of life going. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. How many are going around? Well, I might die from this. Well, I think this thing could kill me. Well, I just... Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
Understand it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 3. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. When you stand up and you begin to say things against the Word of God, are you not being arrogant to God? Well, I don't know if that healing stuff will work for me. I don't know if that financial stuff will work for me. I don't know if God will be on my working on my behalf. Get that out of your mouth. Again, what's the Word of God say? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Then he goes on. And he has more to say about this. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. How many of you, if you are meditating all day long in the Scripture, have satisfied this? All right? How many of you, if you meditate all night long in the Scripture, have satisfied this? No. What's it say? Day and night. Oh, dear Lord. There's no hope for me, is there? Meditate in the Word of God. Day and night. Day and night. This is ridiculous. How could God ask such a thing of this of me? How could God do this? In Psalm 77, verse 12... I will also meditate on all your work and talk of all your deeds. I'm going to meditate on all your work and talk of all your deeds. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I might meditate on your word. Now think about it this way. How many of you when you were young and you're going to get your first car and you had the car in sight and you knew what car it was and you're getting ready to uh, you saving up some money you're going to go out there and get the car. How many of you are mindful of that car? Day and night. How about when you first started dating your spouse? How many of you are mindful of your spouse day and night? How many of you have ever had a big problem come along your path? A huge, in, a seeming insurmountable problem come along your path. How many of you know that can take over your thoughts day and night? Isn't that right? How many people have said, oh, I couldn't sleep last night. This thing just kept bugging me. I woke up this morning. And it was just right there, bugging me again. All day long. It just, I keep thinking about this. What's going to happen? We can do it, can't we? We can do it. I can train myself to meditate on God's Word day and night. Psalm 119, My eyes are awake to the night watches that I might meditate on your Word. <laughs> Not worry, but meditate on your Word. Isaiah 26.3, you know this one real well. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. If your mind is stayed on Him, are you not meditating on Him day and night? If God has exhorted us to do this, do you not think it must be possible that we do it? If we want to water the, the, the seeds, on the, if we want to get water so that we can begin to produce fruit, we've got to first off change our conversation so that we do what the Word says, that the book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but I will meditate in it day and night that I may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. See, doing according to half that is written in it isn't good enough. Do it all. How many of y'all know if you got a new appliance at the store, you went over to whatever you want, your appliances, you know, Best Buy, Sears, wherever it is you go, and you bring that appliance home and you read half of the manual. And have a problem. Or if it's one of those things that needs instructions to set up. And you read half of the instructions. And then just skip the other half. How many of y'all grew up with those cribs that you could slide the uh, the front slide the front up the, to kind of lock the kid in and then slide it down so you can get them back out? How many of y'all like those because you didn't have to you know, bend over and uh, hurt your backs quite just, or lift them up over this, this tall thing? How many made it easier? You know, you can't buy them anymore. Because uh, lawsuits have come against places and, you know, kids' fingers were getting caught in them and, and uh, things were, were not being right. Except that, uh, from what I heard on the, on, the, on the case, every single instance 
of when a person got hurt on it, it was it came from misassembly. That they did not assemble it right. So all the rest of us who know how to follow instructions and put the thing together right can't have one anymore. Now, we're not planning on having any more kids, so we don't need it anymore. But I you know, feel for the rest of you folks. <laughs> you might want to have one of those things. They apparently are such that even those uh, thrift stores are not, not allowed to sell them anymore. I don't know if they went as far as in your yard sales and stuff like that if you can't sell it, but who knows. That's just kind of crazy, isn't it? Because a few people can't follow instructions, the rest of us have to suffer. It doesn't do any good to read half the manual to figure out how the thing operates. It doesn't do any good to read half the instructions to figure out how to put it together. You need to read it, find out what's going on. So what we think is important. What we say is important. And here is the third area in Proverbs 4, chapter, 20, uh, in chapter 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. But he starts off this, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. And here's the third way we can water what's on the inside of us to get it to grow and produce fruit. What we hear. What we say. What we think. And what we hear. How many of you all know that when the doctor tells you you're going to die, that can impact your belief. Isn't it? Can it do that? When the doctor comes to you and says, I have some bad news for you. Will that impact you? It can, can it? The things that we hear. When you hear in the news, the economy is going, going down. Of course, we always hear it out all the time. Economics were surprised. The jobless rate dropped. Or the economy didn't improve. Or that housing you know, didn't, didn't increase. They're always surprised. I think we need to get new ones. We need to get new experts. Because <laughs> they're, they're always surprised. If they're always surprised, that means that you know, it's not, not quite right. <laughs> Something's going on here. Hmm. But if you begin to hear all the time, jobless, joblessness is increasing. People are losing their jobs. How many of you that, that affects you? That can affect you, can it? We've got to be careful of the things that we hear. If I, now, you can't stop yourself from hearing bad reports, can you? But the Word of God says, when Jesus talks to His disciples, He has a famous phrase He always said, For him who has ears to hear, let him hear. For him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Did not everyone hear what Jesus said? But He said, no, I want you to hear it. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to get the understanding of this thing. And so when I hear false reports... Because of the Word of God that's on the inside of me, they can just bounce off of me. I can just laugh at them. I, can, I don't have to laugh at the doctor. You know, you insult them. You don't need to insult people. You can just say, well, Doc, I appreciate your, uh, your, your candor, your advice here. And uh, I, I just believe the Word of God. I'm healed. Or you can say whatever you want to. to but we don't have to just buy into it, do we? Just because the rest of the world wants to have a bad economy doesn't mean we have to buy into it. Well, it depends on what you want to hear. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. Revelations chapter 2 and verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. This is hearing. I received those I heard those words. I received those words. I'm going to take those words in. When God speaks something to us, we hear those words. 
We take those words in. They mean something to us. This is word that God spoke to me in His, in His Holy Scriptures. This is the Word of God. This is what He spoke to me. This is what He said about my situation. I'm going to believe it. And other people will come and they will try and tell you something. What you hear. Sometimes you can begin to see what's happening around you. And that can affect you. And pretty soon it begins to affect your mind. And you begin to think in a certain way. If you allow what you see, what you hear, or what you think to begin to alter you, to go away different, to go away different from what the Word of God says, to go in a way of doubt and unbelief, you will water specifically the weeds. Specifically, you will water the weeds. And weeds will grow and your tomatoes will just sit there and wither away. But the weeds are doing wonderful. And you could say, but I'm out there watering. You're using the wrong water. You're using water specifically trained to bring up weeds. I mean, if I go out there and I, and I meditate on the things the world says, if I listen to what the world says, if I say the things the world says, am I watering the things of the Word? No. But if I do the opposite, and if I believe the things that God says, I hear what He says and I receive it. If I meditate on the things of the Word of God, if I speak the things of the Word of God, am I giving room to the weeds? Now, when we get into the Millennial Kingdom, we're going to be out from the curse of the law. The curse is going on. And you're going to be able to sow seeds and reap a harvest and no weeds. Weeds are part of the Genesis curse. He said, in toil, you'll, you'll uh, till the field and you've got to go after the weeds. The weeds are going to compete with you now. But that's coming to an end. It wasn't always meant to be that way. It's the way we've always known it. But it's not always meant to be that way. Thank God for that. We're going to get into a place where that's not going to be the, the case. So what we say, what we think, and what we hear, these are important. This is how we water what's on the inside of us. This is how we bring it to a place of fruit. Bring it to a place where it's, where it's producing. Let me give you a couple of cases in point. How many of y'all know we, we talked about some of the things that were in fruit when Jesus talked over in John chapter 15 and He was talking to him about being fruitful. He mentioned three things right after that teaching. First one was love. Peace and joy. That these are fruits that He talked about. How many of y'all know you will not walk in love if you are thinking on negative things? If you think on... on you see somebody doing... Oh, why did they do that? Oh, I bet they did that for this reason. And you begin to meditate on that thought. And you begin to go to somebody else that you work with. And you begin to say out of your mouth, that person, they did this for this reason. Oh, I can't believe that they did that. What are you doing? Aren't you watering the wrong thing? Aren't you going to get the wrong kind of harvest? If you want to have the fruit of the Spirit, if you want to be attached to the true vine, you've got to let His words abide in you. Let Him abide in you and let His words abide in you. If you do that, you're not going to meditate on those things. You're going to say, no, no, no. I'm not going to think that way. The Word of God says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to, that love believes the best. Love, love hopes for all things. Love endures all things. And so forth. And we go on through and we read that over. This is what the Word of God says. I'm going to meditate on this. Yeah, but that thought will come in. But look at what they did. How does that appear to you? No, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to go the good way. If we walk in that way, we can walk in the area of love. If I keep going and telling tell myself, how many people got divorced in this country because they began to think ill things and speak ill things? About that. Some of you women, you get together and you have start kibitzing about each other's husbands. Saying all manner of, of good things about them, Right? You, if you start getting into those groups and you begin to kibitz and talk about evil things, what happens to the love on the inside of you? Not so good. Now, men are not as prone to that. Men, men when they get together, they, just, they can tend to just put down the other person. Just you know, say things, all oh, that ball and chain. All the, and just, just talk about things that are negative about that. That doesn't foster their love, does it? So you see, we each, each have our ways, each have our things that we can pull us down. Don't let it pull you down. Stay out of it. Just because you're around a b- bunch of people that want to talk down about their husbands, want to talk down about their spouses, their wife, their kids, 
You talk up. No, no, no. That's not my husband. That's not my wife. My wife is this way. My kids are this way. And you talk positively about it. How many of you know you'll feel funny? It'll feel odd. People begin to look at you and say, Who are you? What are you doing? But the Word of God says that the world will persecute you because of the what in you? Because of the Word in you. Because of the Word in you. When you let the Word of God rise up on the inside and you don't get involved in conversations with other guys that that, uh, put down your wife and you don't get involved in other uh, conversations with other women that put down your husband, you don't get involved in conversations with other people that put down your kids, then you can walk in love to those kids a whole lot easier. You begin to, to build up. You are saying, you are thinking, and you are hearing positive things. If you get up in the morning and you begin to think, oh, I feel awful. Oh, I don't know if I can make it today. What are we doing? What seeds are we watering? Wrong ones. Don't be watering those kind of seeds. If I'm going to produce the fruit that God wants me to produce, I've got to get the right kind of water. Water that is specific to the kind of fruit I want to produce. Now, there are fruit hindrances out there as well. Over in uh, Matthew chapter 13, this is the uh, story of the parable. We're not going to read the whole, whole thing. It's just going over here to verse 18 where Jesus explains the parable. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So you can receive something from the word of God, but you don't understand it. I'm not quite sure. How does that work? I don't understand that. And because I don't understand it, the word of God can take it away. Now, you read this in the scripture and you say, well, all right, I can sort of understand that, but I'm not quite sure. Let me put it to you this way. How many of you remember what went on in Algebra 1? How many of you didn't remember what happened in Algebra 1 the day after? I mean, as soon as you hear it, you're, you're, you're looking, I, I see, and there it is on the paper, and I see these things and these letters, and how did letters add up? I don't understand. How do letters add up? They, and there's so many. Look at all those letters. I'm used to adding numbers. These are letters. How am I supposed to add, and we don't know how to do it? And they show us, and we get that answer done. And all right, now go on to the next one. And we don't get it. Why? Because I don't understand it. If I understood it, if I comprehended it, it'd be a snap. How many of you, uh, for some reason, you know, geometry? How many understood geometry? How many could uh, calculate the area of an isosceles triangle? Without a problem. Well, you see, if you used it, you could. If you understood it, if you grasped hold of what the, what the concept was, then you could do it. Now, I struggled in algebra. For whatever reason, I don't know why. I flourished in geometry. I barely put any effort out and I got A's. But I struggled to get a C in algebra. Struggled. I mean, it was hard. I couldn't get a hold of this stuff. I couldn't figure And for some reason, geometry came easier. I don't know why that it was. But it was, I mean, I could sit there and half pay attention in class and get an A on the test. I don't know why that was. Even one time, the teacher caught me I kind of daydreaming off in the class and he says, yo, you know the answer to that one? Uh, <laughs> I was out of there, but I could still take the test and get an A. I don't know what it was about geometry. Now, if you ask me how to do it today, I don't know because I didn't use it. But for some reason, I was able to understand it. If you gave me a concept in geometry, I was able to understand it and comprehend it. You gave me a concept in algebra, I couldn't get a hold of it. To this day, I still cannot get any of the concepts of the English language. But you see, if you have the understanding of it, it doesn't go anywhere. But if you don't have the understanding of it, it goes away. This is what he's saying. In order for you to get the understanding of it, in order for you to get the understanding of algebra, geometry, English, science, biology, chemistry, you've got to meditate on it. You've got to think about it. You've got to speak it. You've got to talk in this way. You've got to hear the things that the teacher's saying. But here with an understanding. And if you do that, the stuff's easy. It's not a problem. That's the first group. But he receives seed in the stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Oh, we're so happy. Oh, this is good. Oh, yes. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Because after a while, the devil comes on along and he begins to say, Oh, but you just sinned yesterday. Oh, I did. I guess I'm not the righteousness of God in Christ anymore. He has no root in himself and endures only for a while. For where tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Even those people who get up and they, they begin to find out, oh, this is what the Word of God says. The Word of God says this about it. The Word of God says I'm healed. The Word of God says that Jesus set me free from sickness and disease. And we get out there in the world and we start talking to worldly people about, oh, Jesus set me free from sickness and disease. And they say, oh, are you one of those kooks? Are you one of those nuts? Oh, I didn't know you were one of those people. What happens? Oh, I'm not going to talk about this so much anymore. Persecution. See, you were all happy about it at first. But then, hmm. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Oh, there we got the weeds. The weeds are coming up, right? The tares, the things are coming up. They're choking the word of God out. This is those other things. This is because I'm becoming double-minded. I speak some things to encourage the Word. I speak other things that encourage the, the, the weeds. I think on some things that encourage the Word. I think on some things that encourage the, the weeds. I have all these things growing up inside of me. It says, He who receives the seed among the thorns is he who hears the Word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the Word and he becomes unfruitful. You cannot become unfruitful unless you were first. You have to have first been fruitful. Now, apart from the vine, you cannot produce fruit, can you? So what Jesus is speaking about is someone who's attached to the vine and produced fruit. But the cares of this life choked it out. In other words, I was doing the right, I was meditating on the right things, I was thinking the right things, I was speaking the right things, I was hearing the right things, but then the world got in and I started thinking on the things of the world. I began to meditate on the things of the world and it choked out what I had. Understand this, that they didn't operate side by side too well. The one went out. But he who receives seed on the good ground, is he who hears the word and understands it, who immediately, who, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. We want to get into that place where we are producing, where we are doing something. We're seeing that. I mean, it, it's it's one thing to love the people that are close to you, but that love just works on it. You can love people you don't even know. You can love people who've been nasty to you. You have no trouble with it anymore. That love is just growing on the inside of you. Well, again, there's there's uh, hindrances here. Jesus said in verse 5 of John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do what? Nothing. Without me you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. We've got to abide in him and his word needs to abide in us. That means I hear it and understand it. I speak it and I think it. That's abiding. That's me abiding in him. Don't let that other stuff get in. You've got to get rid of that stuff. There are th- three hindrances we listed here for you as far as keeping you from being fruitful. First off is a lack of water. Whatever I water grows. If I water doubt and unbelief, that's going to grow. If I water faith and hope, that's going to grow. Whatever gets watered grows. That's the first hindrance. I'm just not doing the things that I should. I'm not meditating on the things of the Word. I'm meditating on the things of the world. I'm not hearing the things of the Word of God. I'm hearing the things of the world. I'm not doing, doing all that. But you can continue to water what you have a whole lot easier now than you used to. How many know when you used to, if you wanted to hear the Word of God, you had to go out to church? And then things improved and we had tapes. But tapes cost money. And you had to go out there and you had to buy the tapes. I mean, some people would charge $3.00. Four dollars, five dollars a tape, and so you know you'd buy some, but you know you had limitations on how many it is you could buy, and you probably listened to them a few times. Tapes, of course, they wear out. But now we got the internet, and you can download stuff for free, and keep listening to the Word of God, keep hearing the Word of God. You can keep going over and over and over and over. You can get the Word of God on an MP3 player this big and carry it around with you, and listen to it over and over and over. And then 
You want to move on from there? You can go tap over to your favorite speaker. Put him on. Her on. Listen to them. Listen to the Word there and get encouraged. You can keep hearing the Word of God. But I'm not just hearing it to hear it. I'm going after understanding. And I'm changing my thinking. i got my thinking on it. All right, I got to... How does that work? How can I apply that? What can I do? And then I begin to go out and I begin to say those things. I begin to speak those things. I have it... Let it have an effect on me. So there's a lack of water. Here's the second one. The presence of weeds. If you want to go on further, in Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 24, it talked about tares. And that tares would grow up with the wheat. Why would you not want tares to grow up with the wheat? Well, first off, you're going to harvest tares and wheat. And you have to separate them. But if you have tares growing where the wheat is, are they not competing for the water, for the food? Are they not competing for the space and the sunlight? So are you going to get as much wheat if you're the same area of ground is also producing tares? It's going to cut in your production. We want to get rid of the tares. We want to keep them from growing by watering the right stuff. Here's the third one. Not enough good soil. There's not enough good soil in there. But you know that one you can change. You can change that. When he talks about these four soil types in the parable of the sower, he's talking about believers. He is not talking about unbelievers. Do not associate any of these with unbelievers. Every single one of these is a believer because they're receiving the Word of God. Unbelievers reject it. Believers receive the Word of God. In a church, any church, you will have some people that are stony. You throw out the Word of God, they're born again people. But they hear it and it just stops right there. They don't understand it and they go on. Is it not true that people in churches today, all across this country, people are sitting in church today hearing the Word of God, not understanding it, and will go home and it will have no effect upon their life? Absolutely. That will go on. That's what that first one is talking about. Then you have the other group in there where they get all excited when they leave church, but by Monday or Tuesday they're not living it anymore because they came home and they talked about it to you know, cousin so-and-so and they said, what are you, some kind of nut? And they stopped doing it. Then you got other ones out there that the, the cares of this life are, are growing up in them. Oh, they were meditating on the Word of God, but the, oh, but oh, my job, oh, my health, oh, this. And they begin to focus on all those things. It begins to wear them down. There's three hindrances. Lack of water, presence of weeds, and not enough good soil. But you can change the good soil. Because that final one, they were good soil. But in the church, they could have started out as stony soil. They could have started out as as ones that had the, the, the wrong seeds in it. They could have started out any, any of these different ways. But they didn't stay there. They kept staying in there. How many of you all know in, in the beginning when you were first born again, how many of you would have classified yourself as the first kind of soil? By the wayside. You received the Word, didn't understand it, and it went out. I heard that, but it just didn't have an effect. But then all of a sudden you began to come around and you began to apply understanding to the Word of God. And it began to change your life. And it wasn't just something that you heard on Sunday. Now it was changing how you lived on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And it was altering you. And you went from being wayside soil over here to being good soil. How'd you do that? Because you produce good soil on the inside. And there's ways for you to do that. There's ways for you to develop your hearing. We'll go over some of those principles as we get into this. Because having good soil is part of being fruitful. And we need to get into that. We're going to wrap this up this way. God's... God's water comes from what we see, what we say, and what we hear. That's how the water of God can come. Now, the wrong kind of water can come that way too. But if you want to water the seeds that come from Him, it comes from what we see, what we say, and what we hear. Weeds come from seeing, saying, and hearing contrary things. But good soil is something I can become. Good soil is is something that I can become. You can be good soil. You can have good soil on the inside of you. When the seed comes in, it flourishes. It grows. And you become even more fruitful. In the story that Jesus gave with the vine, He did not expect you to produce fruit upon first being attached. He expected there would be some process of growing. But He expected the fruit would come out. And He tells you how to do it. But one of the things we need to do is to make sure that we water specifically the seed of the Word of God on the inside of us by what we say, what we think, what we hear. What we say, what we think, and what we hear. And He's not asking you to do this on a part-time basis, is He? 
He's not asking you to do this on a full-time basis. Because full-time, if you have a full-time job, how many hours are you working? How many hours are you not working? A lot. <laughs> right? Aren't you not working more hours than you are? Yeah. A whole lot more. No, He doesn't want you to even do this. He wants it all the time. All the time. And if that seems insurmountable to you, if that seems like there's no way I can be thinking on the Word of God all the time, yes, you can. And we'll show you the principles from the Word of God to help you out with that. Because you can do it. You can alter the where you're going. You can begin to love those people in your household that you had a hard time loving before. You can change situations that you thought were unchangeable. You can get healed of things you thought would be around you forever because of the Word of God. The woman with the issue of blood sought after doctors for years, spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. The Word of God tells us. But she said, if I may just touch the hem of His garment. We had ten lepers. There was no, no healing for leprosy. We had people that were lame from birth. No hope for that to ever be changed. And yet Jesus encountered them. The Word of God encountered them. And their situation changed. You've got to first off believe that your situation can change. That God wants your situation to change and that God will help you get it done. He will help you. Glory be to God. He will help you. Watch what you say. Guard what you think. And understand the things that you hear through the Spirit. Understand, even if you hear stuff on the news, understand it through the Spirit. Well, that's just because they don't know the end result. That's because they just don't know where things are going. You hear people out there talking about global warming. You can just understand, well, that's just people who don't understand who God is. That's because they, have not, they don't understand that the end of the book isn't ended by global warming. And you can go through a whole host of other things too. No, don't, don't buy into it. Buy into what the Word of God says. And just accept that. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that in Your Word we find life. We find all that there is for godliness. We find everything that we need to help us out. We give You the praise and the glory for it, Father. Your Word is wonderful. We have the ability to understand everything that is in Your Word. Not because of how great we are, not because of any great education that we have, not because of any of the great schools that we go to. Even if we went to no school, it doesn't matter. Because the one who brings understanding to the Word of God is the Holy Spirit. And He is with us all. He is the one who gives us understanding. He is the one who brings that to us. There is nothing in Your Word that every, not every single, that every single person here, Father, can understand what You say, what You mean. We can all understand it. And with understanding, we can put it into practice. And that Word will produce fruit on the inside of us. We thank You, Father, that we will water the Word of God in us. We will think it. We will speak it. And we will continually hear it. We thank You for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Aren't you glad we serve a glorious God? A God who is able to change all manner of situations. Whatever it is that we face, He is able to turn it around. We thank God for that.